be sharing a little bit about Eden Partington and what God's doing and why we're doing that. Um, so thanks for your patience. Uh, and drawing on some of the principles of the, the, the mission of God, I guess. Uh, before I start, or as we start with that, does anyone here remember the singer Meatloaf? Yeah? A few of the younger ones are thinking, I've never heard of Meatloaf. Um, there's, there's a lost generation growing up that have never heard of, like, like the Lightning Seeds and Cast and all sorts of great bands. Uh, but Meatloaf had some popular tunes when I was a kid. Uh, anyone want to hazard a guess at, you know, anyone remember? A Bat Out of Gehenna, yes, over there, that's correct. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I would say, put, have you heard of Meatloaf? Yeah. Right. Joe's a bit younger than me, but um, I would suggest that his uh, most famous song would be, I would do anything for love. I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. That's the one. We've got a fan over here, haven't we? So, um, I, I, I don't think we ever found out what the that was. Maybe, I, I don't know. You might know. But, um, um, but I think that song can sometimes sum up our life of faith. Uh, really? You know, that we say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I accept forgiveness. I receive the Spirit. I enjoy your presence. It's great having you in my life. I'll do anything for you, God. But I won't do that. And the that can cover a whole host of topics, can't it? You know, Jesus can be Lord up to a, a certain point where Jesus disagrees with us. And then we find ourselves as Lord once again in that part of our life. Uh, you know, we make God in our own image. But I'm sure it was the other way around at creation, wasn't it? We, you know, we can be there, can't we? You know, we receive the benefits of salvation, for want of a better phrase. And we can, maybe we really mean it when we pray the prayer at the start. <laughs> but, you know, it can become, God, I give you my life. Just don't, just don't mess it up too much. God, I give you my life. Just don't change it too radically. You know, God, I'll follow you conditionally on it, fitting in with my plan. And it can cover all sorts. It can cover our relationships with others. It can cover how we use our finances. Or should that be God's finances that he's entrusted us with? Uh, it can cover how we spend our time. It can cover our career. Anyone ever had God call you to do a job where you get paid considerably less? And you're thinking, I'm sure God doesn't want me to do that. Um, it can cover our home, our location that we love. It can, you know, it's a, it's a whole life thing, isn't it? When we say, God, I give you my life, that we really mean it. Now, I'm not going you know, to dissect the details of your lives, but uh, let's hold that question. How willing are we to be obedient to Christ? Does God, I will follow you, cover the whole of our lives? Would you move on to a council estate if God called you? Would you really? <laughs> um, while I'm not here to talk about your discipleship, we're going to look at the mission of God. Because that's what we're about, isn't it? As churches, we must be about the mission of God. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. And that, that our role as his people is to share that message with the world in word and action. You know, whatever church is and whatever church is going to look like, let's not lose sight of the mission of God. 
If we're in Christ, your life is not about you anymore. It's about him. It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. As Paul writes in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's a good verse, isn't it? It's a good, good verse. I like it. It's all about Jesus, his glory, his will, his kingdom, his presence. And there can be that subtle danger that in our walk of faith that the roles reverse. You know, that Jesus is here to serve me. That it's about my feelings and my comfort. And we may not even realise it, but soon we're back on the, the throne. When we substitute obedience for comfort or pleasure or just a slightly easier route than the one that God has for us. I'll do anything for you except that. I think actually we see that in the, in the life of Jesus constantly uh, being offered a route less than what the Father had for him. Uh, you know, as, as he said, I'm, I'm here and I'm going to be crucified. And then Peter saying, no, let's not go there. Let's not talk about that. And Jesus is saying, no, this is, this is what I'm here for. And as he's on the cross, you know, there's people mocking him and abusing him. Going, if you are the son of God, get down. If you're the son of God, get off. You know, how easy would that have been? But Jesus, we see total, complete submission to the Father's plan. For our redemption, which is incredible. And the mission of God, uh, Jesus' command to his followers, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So the question is, whatever God calls you to, wherever God calls you, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to do whatever Jesus asks of you? I want to look at a couple of verses uh, in Ezekiel 47 in the Old Testament. I'm going to hand over to Joe. Uh, and then we're going to draw some principles out of the passage. But this is Ezekiel 47, 1 to 12. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in it. A river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me to the bank of the river and when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from the Engedi to En Eglaim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows, from them, uh, flows to them. Sorry, Their fruit will serve for food 
and their leaves for healing. A whistle-stop tour uh, of an introduction to that passage. The chapters before this one in Ezekiel uh, 43 onwards are all about restoration. All before that is all about restoration of God uh, bringing restoration and doing something good where it was uh, previously absent. Ezekiel 43 speaks of the Lord's glory uh, returning to the temple. The priests restored, the temple restored, Israel restored. uh, The temple being the place of God's presence. Where God's presence and glory had dwelt, uh, then left the temple. But now God's glory coming back to that place where God's people gathered. You would think that would be the end of the story, wouldn't you? You'd think Ezekiel might finish after chapter 43. God's glory returned to the temple and they all lived happily ever after. That would be, a, that would be you know, a good ending, wouldn't it? But just four chapters later in the passage you've just read, there's a river flowing out of the temple. And it symbolises the spirit and presence and glory of God leaving that place once again and moving out into the surrounding area. But not departing as a bad thing, but departing on mission. God's spirit moving out into the world around And the invitation to to the seer is to get involved and to go deeper. If you were an Old Testament Jew, this might have been a slightly offensive or slightly scary, a questionable prophecy. You know, are you sure, Ezekiel? Are you sure? Just Just a few chapters previously, you're saying God's glory is returning to the temple and the temple is the place of God's presence. And now you're saying it's going again? Is that what we're saying? Should we stone the prophet? That's exactly what Ezekiel is saying. Because the call on Israel and the call on God's people was never to be my people and have a great time and keep it to yourself. God didn't say that, did he? He said, be my people and keep it to yourself. It'll be our thing. Even at the very outset, the call of God to his people was draw all nations to himself and then to be a light to the world, a city on a hill, Make known to the world this amazing message. That was the call on God's people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Reach the world with the transforming presence of God. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. The presence of God is with us as we gather. But this isn't, this isn't the end, is it? This isn't the end. This is the beginning of mission. I was in a service a few weeks ago and at the end they said, our worship has ended, our service begins. And I thought, yeah, I like that. Because we can sometimes think, oh, that's the end of our service. But this is as we, we gather to be sent out, don't we? We gather to be sent out into the world. We're called to carry his glory into the world around us. So with that in mind, what's Eden all about and how do we fit into that? I'm gonna let Joe speak for a bit and then we're gonna look at some principles from the passage. Good morning. Um, As Jonathan said, I'm Joe. Um, I'm the team leader for Eden in Partington. I just want to share a bit about um, what Eden is, what the heart behind Eden is, and what we're doing in Partington. Some of you may be looking at me and thinking, he doesn't look like he's very good with flowers. It's not that Eden project. Um, Eden is actually a national charity um, that works in some of the toughest estates uh, in the country and soon in South Africa and some other places as well, which is quite exciting, um, and is partnered with local churches. Um, Eden was birthed out of the Message Trust back in the days when Andy Hawthorne was stomping on the stage and, and rapping. 
um, they began to realize they were putting on all these big concerts and, and seeing hundreds of young people um, coming to know Jesus. But they began to realize that these young people were going to these churches and these estates that just weren't ready for them, that just weren't prepared for them. Um, and so out of that, they were like, well, we need to do something about this. And the first Eden project started in Withenshaw. And what Eden is, is it's, I think you can sum it up in two verses. Um, I'm going to sum it up in two verses anyway. Um, and the first one is from 1 Thessalonians 2, um, verse 8. And it says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And the other one is in, is in John 1. Um, in in John's prologue and it says uh, in the message version it says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood and so the heart of Eden is this idea of incarnational living it's about moving into those areas that most people try and move out of Um, not just coming in doing some great work and then going home to a nice comfy house Um, I used to live in Pointon I had a very nice comfy house in Pointon Um, but actually it's about moving into those areas that people normally try and move out of being incarnational, having our lives in those areas as well as our ministry. Um, and at the heart of that as well is, is this idea of building relationships with the people around us, not just the young people that we work with, but actually their parents, their brothers, sisters, cousins, aunties, uncles, the lady that works at the shop, uh, the lady who works at the Chinese. Um, just building relationships in the community as we're part of that community, as we're living in that community, sending our kids to school in that community, you know, being right at the centre of that. And in that, it's about being purposeful in, in sharing the gospel as well. Um, we're there not just to be kind of observers in that community, to sit there and think, oh, this is nice, but actually to get stuck in, to share the gospel of Jesus um, with the people there, whether that's through the, what we're saying, how we're living, um, and actually just living counterculturally, living in a way that society probably thinks is a bit weird, living in a way that is opposite to what society says and is following the truth of what Jesus says. And as well as kind of showing the gospel, um, you know, I believe that God is a holistic God. God cares for the whole of a person. And so actually we want to be there for the whole of a person's life, not just their spiritual life, um, which, yes, does obviously impact all their life, but actually people are going hungry, feeding them. If people are struggling in education, helping them, um, if people are struggling with debt, um, helping them out of it. And so it's this idea of actually we're not just there to see people come to church. We're there to see people's lives transformed and the whole of their lives um, transformed. And so some of the stuff that we're doing at the moment um, for me is, is just about kind of getting to know people, um, getting people to recognize me, getting people to, to trust me um, because I am this really nice, I'm this middle class guy that's moved from Pointing. Uh, into Partington. Um, and so some of the stuff that we're doing at the moment, um, we're doing, I'm starting a lunch club in the school um, where we get a load of year sevens that just come along, go mental for about 20 minutes, and then have, we have a little bit of a chat about faith and maybe how that can, can impact them. Um, this last Thursday was, was, was absolutely mental. They wanted to play football and I agreed. And by the end of it, we had most of year seven playing, um, which was crazy. Um, but actually, that's brilliant because they get to see my face I get to see their faces, and that just starts to build up those relationships. Um, we're also doing, um, getting involved with some detached work at the council run. Um, and so what's great is a couple of times we've been, and actually some of those year sevens have been out in the streets, they're like, it's Joe, it's Joe. And straight away they're recognizing me, and that just gives me a bit more freedom to talk to them because they know who I am. 
Uh, we're also, I've also been doing some more work in the schools. Um, I had a chance to go in before Christmas and do some lessons. Um, and just, you know, really getting into schools, because that's where they're at. You know, a load of the kids are at school because they have to be. Whether they want to be or not, that's where they are. And so it's just a great way of, of getting to know people. Uh, we're also soon going to be starting uh, a Youth Alpha, in the ne- I think next week, actually. I should probably check my diary. But um, soon we're going to be starting a Youth Alpha, just building on some of those relationships that we built and just inviting people to come and hear a bit more um, about, about the gospel. But the heart of all this is actually that we're living our lives there. It's not that we're just coming in and, and then going out. But actually, their problems become our problems. If they're struggling because there's no transport in and out of Parkington, we're struggling. Um, I think one of the best examples for this is in, I can't remember, I think it was Fitton Hill. And they had an Eden project. And the team leader's wife became pregnant. And when she became pregnant, they were to go to a local GP and realized that actually they didn't have a local GP. There was no doctor's surgery. And to cut a long story short... Um, they set one up. They set up a medical clinic in Fitton Hill. And it's just because they were there, because they were part of that community, they shared problems with that community. Um, so, yeah, so that's what we are. That's what Eden is about, and that's what we're doing. I'm going to pass it back to Jonathan. Thanks, Joe. So that's Eden. A little bit about Eden and what God's doing through Eden in Partington. Um, just want to go back to the Ezekiel 47 passage uh, and draw a few mission principles out of it, and uh, you know how Eden fits in with that, and how how we can fit in with that. Whatever God calls you to, uh, the river flowing out of the temple and into the surrounding area. It's not about waiting here for people to come to services. People will come to services by the grace of God. But it's, it's not about waiting here. It's about uh, living out our faith on the streets, engaging with those who don't know Christ, and letting our faith uh, be a seven-day-a-week thing, showing and sharing our faith in all of life and intentionally making a difference, uh, going out into the salty waters. Uh, as I said, the river represents the spirit and presence of God flowing out of the temple uh, into the surrounding area. What happens when God's spirit leaves the temple on mission and goes into the surrounding area. There's uh, four things that this passage shows us really quickly. First one is that the Spirit of God brings transformation. Uh, as people who, who the, the Spirit of God is living in, you know, as we go out into the world, the Spirit of God brings transformation. God's Spirit goes before us, God's Spirit goes with us, and God's Spirit goes after us. The salt water becomes fresh. That's what the passage says. Uh, the water flows into the Dead Sea where it empties and the salty water becomes fresh. The salt water becomes fresh. That is complete transformation. Have you ever thought of that? Um, I swallowed some salt water once while jumping off a pedalo, and uh, I was soon throwing up on the beach, stumbling forwards trying to find a rock to lean on. Um, have you ever seen James Bond? You know, you know where James Bond like comes out of the water and he's just like, He's got his eyes fixed on the girl, and she's got her eyes fixed on him. And it was absolutely nothing like that. I, like, <laughs> I came out of the water, and I was like, I need to find a rock, because I'm going to throw up. But, but the point is, salt water makes you sick, yeah? If you drink salt water, it will make you sick. The Dead Sea, the sea mentioned in the passage, is so full of salt that you can't sink in it. You cannot sink in the Dead Sea. It is 33% salt. If you add fresh water to 33% salt, what do you get? 
you get slightly diluted salt water, don't you? Yeah, in normal terms, you get a bit less salty water. That will still make you sick. But when the Spirit of God comes, God doesn't simply dilute the bad. He completely transforms it. Complete transformation. Salt water that becomes fresh, that it can nourish you for life. Now, God's Spirit doesn't leave us as we are or make us a bit better than we were. God's Spirit comes to completely transform us. You ever heard those testimonies uh, where it says, God's made me a better person. I'm a bit nicer. Oh, just praise God. Praise God for that. But, you know, it's, it's not about being a slightly diluted version of the sinful person we were. It's about complete transformation. You're a new creation in and for Christ. A child of God. That's our status before God. And, and that's God's invitation to a, to a new life. Not just that we're saved, but that we're changed from ever-increasing glory to glory. For God's glory. Have we settled for diluted sin? Have we settled for diluted sin? Have we settled for, well, this is, this is who I am. This is the way I'm always going to be. That part of my life, God is never going to be able to change. Have we settled for slightly diluted sin? Or are we believing for complete transformation? Salt water that becomes fresh in our own lives and in our communities. That's what we're believing for uh, in Partington. Not just for diluted council estate, but for completely transformed community. What are we living for? What are you living for uh, in your own life and, and for limb, for your community? Uh, secondly, the Spirit of God attracts and draws others in. As the Spirit of God moves out, he draws a crowd. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows and makes the water fresh. And where the river flows, everything's going to live. The Spirit of God is, is an attractive spirit. Draws all kinds. This is why people travel to different parts of the world. You know, places like Toronto or Reading in California or Kansas or wherever. Because they're seeking the presence of God. They're seeking to encounter God. But this is not simply for Christians. God's spirit draws and calls and attracts hungry people who are searching for truth and meaning and purpose and hope in life. People are searching, aren't they? People are searching. People are searching for spiritual truth. Going to mediums and fortune tellers and clairvoyants and, and the rest because people are hungry for something more. Maybe that says more about the church in general's lack of sharing the attractive presence of Jesus than it does about the depraved state of the nation. Maybe it's a little bit both. But people are searching. People are searching. And we as Christ's people carry God's presence with us. And that should be attractive. We see in the life of Jesus, don't we, the spirit-filled life, healing, miracles, power, transformation, Grace And guess what? Jesus drew a crowd. Jesus drew a crowd. Thousands flocked to see and experience and encounter Jesus. And the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive in you. I've not made that up. That's in the Bible. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Will we get hold of that and live out the attractive spirit of Jesus 
so that people don't need to go to the mediums and the clairvoyants and the tarot cards and all the other stuff because actually they can encounter God. They can encounter God. Will we carry the attractive presence of Jesus out of the temple and into the world where we are, into our workplaces, into our streets, into our neighbourhoods, into the bakery on the corner? Will we hide God's presence in a box as something that we enjoy on a Sunday morning? But we don't want to, we don't want to offend people, so we just keep it on the, keep it on the quiet. We don't want to offend people, we don't want to upset people. God's call to proclaim and demonstrate God's glory in our life, that will attract people. Are we ready to do that? If you're thinking, that sounds great, but how can I do it? It's not about you, it's about him. He can do it. He can do it if we open ourselves up to him. Part of Eden is about intentionally making time to carry the presence of Jesus into the presence of those who don't know Jesus. That's it. You know, go and carry the presence of Jesus where, where people have never heard of him or where people don't know him. Through mentoring, through detached work, through clubs, through being available, as Joe said. A uh, third one, the spirit of God grows uh, and bears fruit. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither. And their fruit will not fail. Every month they're going to bear fruit. Because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. The spirit of God brings life where there's death. And fruit where there is no fruit. We live in a country that I'm not sure it has a, a growing season anymore. But... But, you know, if, if we do, it's pretty short, isn't it? It's pretty short. But what we see here in the passage is it says the fruit will never fail. Every month there's going to be fruit. That's what God's presence does. Every month there's going to be fruit. We can't grow fruit in winter. We can barely grow fruit in the summer. But God's fruit is growing all the time, every, every month. There's no point where God is not producing fruit, where the Spirit flows. That's the point. There is no point where God is not at work. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, I think that can be a lesson for us in life, in general. You know, even in the dry, the difficult parts of life. If we're in Christ, we're growing. God is growing and producing fruit. If you feel like you're in the desert place, well, that's that's a place of growth. It includes all of us. Will we pause to recognize the fruit of what God is doing in the world? Will we pause to recognize the fruit of what God's doing in our church? And will we stop to reflect on the fruit of what God's doing in our lives and what he's saying? Um, I kind of, my example would be um, kids. It's, It's good to stop and look at your kid, isn't it? And go, oh, they've grown. Because there will be moments, I mean, your kid just grows. It just happens. And you don't, you don't see it before your eyes, but then you stop and you look at the pictures and go, oh, wow, look at the difference there. Maybe if the kids' one doesn't work for you, think about having a shave. Yeah? Anyone here familiar with shaving? Yeah? Yeah? Mostly men. Um, but, you know, you, know you, you, don't, you don't see the hairs growing, do you? I mean, physically, you don't, you don't see them growing. But you have a shave, and then 
you know, a few days later, or a week later in my case, you, you know, you think, I better have a shave. I need to shave. And, you, you know, you, you stop and you, you, see the, you see the growth. Will, will we pause to reflect on what God is doing? God's always at work, every month, always producing fruit, never failing to produce fruit, and that fruit will never fail. Where is God producing fruit? Fourth one. God's spirit brings healing. The fruit will serve for food and the leaves for the healing of the nations. God's spirit is the spirit that brings healing. Part of transformation. I'm the Lord who heals you. It's a complete healing. Emotional, spiritual, relational, physical. God's spirit changes us. God's spirit is the spirit of transformation. So whether it's in Lim or in Partington or somewhere else, we need to know the, the presence of our healing God of grace. We all need God's transforming presence. You know, there are plenty of issues in Partington. But I reckon there's probably as many issues in Lim. It's just a bit more disguised. Um, we all need the transforming, holistic healing presence of God. But where is all this happening? Where is all this going on? Yeah, Where's this fruit that never fails? Where's this healing of transformation? Where's the salt water becoming fresh? Outside the temple. Outside. Not in the building, but outside the temple. Flowing out of the house of God and into the surrounding area. The implication being that the presence of God, the, the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit that we enjoy and live in, this incredible thing, actually it's not meant to end here. It's not meant to end here. But each of us is called to carry the presence of God out of the building and into our community. Each of us is called to step into that river that is flowing out of the temple and into the surrounding area. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends you. He does. He just does. Go into all the world. The question being, will we do it? Will we do it? How far will you allow the river to flow in your life? Or should that be how far will you flow in the river before you get out? Would you do anything for God except that? Go pray for that person. Go share a word of encouragement. Sell up and move out. Move on to an estate. What is the that? Is Jesus the Lord of the whole of our lives? I believe that today God is calling us out of the comfort zone to be the daring, risk-taking, courageous missionary disciples that we see in Acts, that we see transforming the world, to be carriers of God's presence that bring change in our communities. Joe. Thanks for, for listening to both of us. I just want to um, share a few ways that actually you can support us and help us 
um, in Partington. And the first one is probably, um, for the fewest people, I'm probably going to take the most commitment. But actually, we are looking for people to, to move in and join our community in Partington. Um, and there might be people here this morning who God is just prompting um, to, to come and move to Partington, to be part of that community, um, and to, to help and volunteer with Eden. Um, you can also give, um, if you want to give us some money to help support the work we're doing, we would, we would really appreciate that, um, just to, to keep us going and to keep what we're doing going. That would be, uh, that'd be amazing. And then what I think everybody here can do for us is to pray for us. Um, you know, actually, it's not all, it's not all easy work. Um, it, it could be difficult. Um, things can go wrong. Um, and actually, we, just, we, we really appreciate people standing with us in prayer and supporting us in prayer. Um, we do send out a monthly prayer letter and, and kind of update. So if you want to sign up to that, um, that would be great. Um, just come and see me or Jonathan, and we can do that. Um, but, yeah, we just appreciate your support. We appreciate the fact that you're letting us come here and just tell you about what we're doing. Um, so, yeah. I am convinced that God probably wants some of you to stay in Lynn. Yeah. I just need to, I just need to say that. I'm convinced that God probably wants a number of you to stay in Lynn because God wants, God wants his kingdom built here. Yeah. So if that's you, please don't feel like this preach has been a waste of time. The same question is for all of us, whether you feel a call here or somewhere else. Will you carry the presence of Jesus out into your context, into the workplace, into your friendships, into your neighbours, into your going out at the weekend? Will you flow out of the temple and into the surrounding area? Are you willing to step out of the comfort zone once more for Jesus, whatever he calls you to? So that we're not people who are saying, God, I will do anything for you, except that. But that we'd be people who are saying, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, and I give you my whole life, and I submit to you once, once again, believing that your plan is the best plan for me. Will we share the life-giving, transforming presence of God with those around us? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're the God who brings change. Lord, we thank you that we are all here because you have brought a change in our lives. You've saved us. You've brought us into the kingdom of light. You've adopted us as your sons and daughters, made us co-heirs with Christ. We thank you that you're the God who brings transformation. Lord, we were, we were lost, but now we're found. And we praise you for that. And I pray for each of us here today, Lord, that we will put you back on the throne. Lord, that we would be a people ready and willing to share your great glorious presence with those around us Lord I thank you that you're the God of second chances 
And Lord, where we may be here now and thinking, oh, I've not done this before, or I really blew that chance to share with that person. Lord, I thank you that you're the God of grace who will give us more chances to share your love. But we say, Father, fill us afresh to carry your presence into the community. Fill us afresh to share your attractive spirit, your life-giving spirit. Lord, equip us with courage to preach the good news in word and deed. Let us be a people completely submitted to you. Not that submission is a bad thing, but submission to you is a great thing. You're a good father who has good gifts for his children. And let's just use the stillness just to just to bring where we are before God and say, God, is there anything you call me to do? In this community, in a different community, in the workplace, in the home, in the street. Lord, what are you calling me to do? Because we want to be obedient to you, Father. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you.